Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Commitment Matters. Well, I'm extra excited for today's episode and our guest, Erica Meyer. We're talking the Women's Leadership Summit today. It's the first annual, and if you've been wondering more about it, today's the day to learn. Now, a quick word to our male listeners. We love you. You know we do. And you might be wondering, well, why the need for a Women's Leadership Summit anyway? Erica will answer that for you. So whether you're someone who falls into that group, or if you're wondering what's on the minds of today's women leaders, this episode is for you. Erica joins us to give a summit preview, and we also discuss some hot topics that might very well be a factor in your office today. So whether you're planning to attend the summit this year, and we hope you are, or if you're wondering if you should send some of your staff to participate, maybe you just want to be more conversant on what's on the minds and in the lives of some of your female co-workers. You'll enjoy this episode with October Research CEO and publisher, wife and mother of little people, focused and intentional organizational leader, Erica Meyer. Erica, hi, welcome back to Commitment Matters. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad you're here because All the talk of the people that I work with is about the upcoming Women's Leadership Summit, which you are hosting. I think it's a wonderful idea. Super excited about it. But walk us through a little bit, if you would. How did you get the idea to do this? Where did the genesis of the idea come from? Really, it was the industry asking for this. At NS3, for two years, we hosted the Women in Business Breakfast, and so many people came up to us and said, one hour, once a year, is not enough. We need to do more than this. Let's get together. Let's do something. You know, we listened the first year, and then this year, we're like, we've got to make this happen. So we decided to kick it off, have our first annual event this year, and spend a day together, lots of networking and just providing that environment for the industry to get together. We're a family and bringing us all together to create that supportive environment so everybody knows that they're not alone. We're in this together. It addresses so many concerns in our industry. We talk about how we are a female-dominated industry in production and sort of entry-level management, but conference after conference, we all talk about, well, we need a way to empower women, mentor them, bring them along so that they can grow and mature in their careers. And we talk about it here at the podcast all the time, the the blasted silver tsunami that our industry is especially vulnerable to. This just takes so many things and brings them all together. I mean, you're bringing in women leaders who have sort of arrived at a place that others would look at as successful and You know, I know that we're bringing some of our younger career women along. So what is the intention that you have set forth for this summit? Yeah, it's really paying it forward to the next generation and making sure the next generation that has it a better environment than we did growing up. And I listened to your recent podcast with Dr. Meg, and that was incredible. I encourage everybody to spend some time listening to that. It was a great podcast. And you gave that personal example of when you started in your career of having to be more manly in order to move forward. That resonated with me because I did the same thing and experienced things in my career early on that I don't want my children 
experiencing when they join the business world. So it's one of those, whether you're a CEO of a company or your entry level or your mid level, this conference is going to provide tools for everyone and takeaways so that we can create that cohesive environment and support group and realize that we're not alone on an island. There are different things, the challenges that we all are balancing and we need to realize that we're not in this alone and how can we work together to move forward the women in the industry, but doing it the right way. And I think that's one of the key things in in understanding you're not alone and let's tackle this the right way. Well, and I think it can be hard for some of our male colleagues to appreciate or even understand why do you need a women's leadership summit? We're all in this together, right? We all have families. We all have parents. We all have careers that we're trying to manage. So why do the Girls need their own club. (laughs) Our own club. (laughs) You know, we're just, we're wired differently than men. And I think understanding the differences and understanding that our male counterparts have no problem stating their accomplishments, where women, we think that they're mind readers and they just know what we did. And it's understanding that difference and being able to formulate that and compile our story so that when those opportunities present themselves, we're prepared and we're ready to negotiate for what it is that we want. We, as women, because we're newer to it for reasons that weren't our choice, we still formally call it networking and we formally need an opportunity to go do these things where with men who for reasons have been doing this longer, It's not any longer formally called networking. For example, the golf outing where a lot of business is done. And, you know, as an early career female, I just saw that very differently. I saw that as, oh, you're having a play date and calling it work. I was very jaded about it because I had never had exposure to it. I didn't understand. Well, then you go a couple of times and you think, oh, this is where a lot of work is done. And women just have not traditionally had those structures. And so... Until we get those sorts of things built up, we have to employ a formal program of doing it, right? Absolutely. And whether it's that golf outing that people are participating in, we have to kind of go out and find that training program, that mentorship. We have to search for it because even as you go out and look at different groups like EO and YPO and all these professional organizations that are out there, And depending on where you are located within the country, they're heavily male-dominated. And within those groups, when you attend the meetings, it's a small number of females that are there. So it's just providing another avenue to find that support mechanism within the industry because we know the numbers. I don't know the numbers offhand of the number of women in our industry, but we're there I think it's in like the low 60%. I mean, it's a it's a lot. A substantial number, yeah. And that's where I just think we need to get out there and I guess take that ownership of being a mentor or being a mentee, mentor and kind of owning that. But again, you have to create that environment to get everybody together in order to harvest those relationships. Well, speaking of leadership, we're glad you guys took the leadership on this topic and we're looking forward to it. So we'll have 
told the folks this already, but it's August 17th and 18th in Savannah. And the agenda is action-packed. I'm sure everybody's going to go to the website. We're going to have it linked up in the show notes. But let's walk through the agenda a little bit, give people a preview and an understanding of what they will experience when they come to the summit. It really goes back to what we considered our four diamonds when we were building this out of develop, grow, support, and empower. And everybody's at a different place in their career. And it's really finding of those four diamonds, which one you want to focus on. Well, and those are so good because every business owner and many department managers that I talk to, when they have the time to focus on talent, existing talent, they say those are the four things they want to focus on. But but Erica, a lot of times they just don't have the time. They don't get to it. So I love that you've kind of encapsulated all those things in this learning in the agenda for the program. We're kicking it off with investing in yourself. And we are wonderful at putting things off. And that was our plan this year, stop putting it off. And if you don't have the support team within your office to provide the training for a day, then that's what this conference is here for, whether it's attending yourself or sending the key players on your team to attend. So the first thing is tackling yourself and investing in yourself and understanding your value. We need to own our accomplishments. So we're going to kind of talk through some of that. We're going to talk about the work-life balance and incorporating that into retention efforts for the business. Again, we talk about those unique perspectives or for us. And what's important to me is not necessarily aligned to what's important to you. So how can we create a unique program within our organizations to retain our team members? We talk about building and utilizing a support network, owning your accomplishments. I think all of us, and I'll speak for myself, I am a great list maker. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but the, I've got a list for everything, whether it's written down or in my phone, it's somewhere. Why don't we take the time to write down our own accomplishments? So then when our career development sessions come around, we've got a list in front of us. So there's little tips and best practices we want to share with everybody during the conference that they can bring back to the office and their teams. And Mary, you're going to be on stage and talking to us about seizing your opportunities. I don't know if you want to say a few words on on your perspective for that session. I think I'm going to handle it by taking a look at two different approaches. So there are the opportunities that we have trouble recognizing as important, game-changing, movie-forwardy type opportunities. Those can be disguised sometimes or can have some hurdles to them that might appear to add up to more of a hindrance than they should. But I think there's a second type of opportunities that a lot of professionals, I will say, in my view, especially women, have to contend with. And that is the myriad of opportunities that are just always front and center all the time. And you have to begin to discriminate with regard to those if you're going to have the bandwidth to spot and pursue the big ones that are sometimes harder to see or come with more trepidation. So I'm going to kind of look at both sides of the coin, I think, because especially, but not exclusively, early career, you can inadvertently fill up your time with the jillions that pop up 
in a day or a week. And then you get so overcrowded that you can't recognize the game-changing ones when they come along. So we're going to talk about both of those. I'm looking forward to it. It's finding those opportunities and understanding over analyzing them. We, as females, we can get ourselves and spend so much time spinning our wheels that we put too much pressure on ourselves to make the right decision. And you're not always going to make the right decision. And I think that's one of the things we have to learn that it's okay to fail. You learn from your mistakes too. Do you think that perfectionism is especially prevalent in the female worker population? Absolutely. I'm guilty. I'll be the first one to admit. I'm guilty too. Well, we're, okay, we're going to have a little self-help moment now. We, hello. Yes. My name's Mary, and I tend to be a perfectionist. And that used to be a humble brag, by the way. Now it, I realize that's a no. We gotta <laughs> unwind that. And that's one of those taking the time to invest in ourselves and realize what we're doing so that we can adjust. And I always go back to the book Lean In. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself regularly, lean in, lean in. This is your opportunity. Lean in, act a little, change a little differently, take that opportunity. It doesn't come naturally to us. So some of the other sessions are building your personal brand. Why is that important? Yeah, absolutely. You already have a personal brand, whether you know it or not. It's sitting down and making sure that it aligns to who you are today and where you want to be tomorrow. Some of our personal brands are accidental instead of intentional, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think most of them are because even when you say, have a conversation with somebody and say, what's your personal brand? They look at you. Well, this is the company brand. No, we're talking about you and what your personal brand is. And we need to be more intentional about it. Some of the other sessions that we have scheduled are negotiating for what you want. And again, how we're going to get there and handling those conversations in the right manner. And you can learn from mistakes as well as best practices. So it's learning from both on how to handle those difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Well, and that's so important. Sorry, I want to pause on that one again because, and you mentioned the episode with Dr. Meg and she she converted me. I'm evangelistic about this now. We tend to think that when we learn about negotiation, that's so we can really negotiate with our owner manager and we can not be run over in the world. But that's, and that's a part of it. But most of us are leaders in some way in our organization, whether we have the title or not. And being able to negotiate with peers associates, subordinates, understanding that it's also a negotiation for them and how to help guide those things into a win-win scenario, we tend to not think about that aspect of of negotiation as much. We tend to think about negotiating up, but we tend to not think about across and down. That's spot on. That is spot on. It's 360 when it goes to negotiating, you talk to so many people, I'm not a salesperson, everybody's a salesperson. We're all salespeople and we all have to negotiate for, you know, lots of things in life. It's not just negotiating for that promotion or that pay increase or that car that you want to purchase. Well, and a good negotiation should feel more like a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to not think of it that way. I think we tend to think of it as something that is... It's win-lose instead of a win-win. Right. 
Instead of a win-win, yeah. That somebody is losing something. Or it's going to be a tense and angst-filled conversation, so we tend to avoid it. And when it's handled appropriately with the right approach and the right emotions going into it, it's kind of like giving a speech on stage, I compare it to. You have to practice. You don't just walk into it. You practice, you get your thoughts together, you have it written down, and going into those negotiations, you need to be confident. And that's where we have to put in that check the emotions at the door, which is something as, as female it's, that can be difficult because we're very passionate about it. But Well, but the ironic part of that is the more shy, sheepish, and avoidant you are, of having those negotiations, then what builds up is a starts out as a quiet resentment, then it gets a slow boil. And then by the time we have to release the pressure valve because we can't take it in our own head anymore, then we walk in the door, what? Emotional. And it's because we've been avoiding the conversation. Absolutely. It just continues to build. Yes. Yes. So I think we'll get some great tips from that. And then we're going to close out the conference with the last panel will be the female leadership panel with a couple industry leaders. So excited to have that. And then we've got networking events on the beginning to kick it off and then at the end as well. Because again, we're not on the golf course, but we're going to do business in that environment and just have the opportunity to meet one another and hopefully, again, support one another, because I think that's so critical as females, we can be hard on one another. And it's used to be people were trying to tear one another down instead of supporting one another. So I think that uh, just getting us together, you like working with people you know, and when you know one another, we can help encourage and push one another to achieve. Well, yeah. And I think some of that and especially for our male listeners. I think we owe just a bit of a conversation about that. In working with men for a lot of years now, they often comment on that very thing of, hey, we are we want to bring our female leaders along. We want, but you guys are brutal to each other. And I think much of that is a residual from when it was a zero-sum game. Essentially, there was going to be a woman in the room. And therefore, if you were the woman in the room or in contention to be the woman in the room. You couldn't let any other women in the room. And I, that scenario has really become more calibrated now. And we don't have to pretend that we're the only woman that can get on the hill. But we still have those same instincts, I think, sometimes that can come out when that's really not the reality anymore. We just have to bring a different viewpoint to it. Well, it's changing what we've, how we've operated for many years. Like you said, there are many women in these opportunities now, so it's not fighting for that one position. The opportunities are there, the environment's changing, and, and that's because, you know, we're having these conversations and we're supporting one another and bringing the women along with us. So, again, changing that mindset and, and being more supportive of one another and you know, one of the other things I think as female that we need to do is be more mindful. We always say yes, 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 I'll take that project. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll. Even when what's in our head is a very different answer than yes. But we feel like we need to say it because what might people think of us? 
if we don't. Right. If we say no. Well, you know, it's one of those. I went to a, a session earlier this year, and that's another thing that I'm personally working on, and I'm hoping that I can share with that with, and other people can share their tips with us, is instead of saying yes and allowing that to roll off your tongue as soon as something comes up, it's pausing. That is a great idea. I would love to be involved, but let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. No, I do not want to bring cupcakes to daycare for the bake sale or or to school, but I will do this to get involved, you know, and just pausing to say, no, I'm not going to do this because now is not a good time for me. But I think just pausing, stopping and following up when you have a minute to think about it instead of that gut reaction of the yes will help us manage our time. And all those yeses accumulate so rapidly, and you can get buried underneath all those commitments that then you don't have any time left over to focus on your big initiatives, whether they be life, professional, some hybrid of those. We never get to the big things because we're inundated with the barrage of yeses. And I think women have a lot of question about that, which is, well, if somebody asks me to do something, it must be they trust my ability to do it and do it well. So I'll deliver that and then the sun will shineth upon me. My guess is you've had a little different experience than that. Yes. I was a yes person and then I just kept taking it and yes, that workload and then you end up with burnout. So while you want to be a yes and accept those new projects and those challenges, I think it also pushes us to have that conversation with others to say, okay, I'm happy to take this, but what are we going to take off my plate? I'll take this, but here's my workload. We need to shift something or help me reprioritize what I've got on my plate right now. So I think you could still be the yes, but make sure that you're up front and work with people to reprioritize or take something off. If you're going to add something, you need to remove it. And oftentimes you can say yes to your earlier example. You can say yes to a part of it and be involved, but you don't have to say yes to the entire thing and make it your whole project. Yes. We yes. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We can control more of our work life balance than we think when we stop and pause. Yeah. And saying yes to all the little things actually depletes our ability to say yes to the things that are truly important, whether that means more work-life balance, whether that means working on a bigger project, you know, correlating back to the opportunity things, having time to work on a project that will result in moving up, moving forward, accolades, whatever it is that you want to achieve by saying yes to all the minutiae actually forecloses the from a time perspective, on the ability to focus on the things that actually will move your needle. And that's one of the, I guess, from the work-life balance things that, you know, I incorporated once I had kids, you know, having bought the company as a single female, yes, 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 the hours, I don't even want to tell you. I always said, do as I say, not as I do. And then I got married and it's like, whoa, that changed things up a bit. And then the kids came along and then my husband and I made a pact that when we leave the office, cell phones are off. There is zero connectivity until the kids are in bed. We do not pick up our cell phones unless it is very urgent. 
we're not picking up our phones, we're not answering, unless it's family and it's a FaceTime. Mm -hmm. We're not going to respond to work emails. And it's hard changing that mindset that I'm losing opportunities and I'm not responding in this world in a timely manner. But in order to prioritize my children and the family, I had to say no. Yeah. And you had to get very clear on what your highest, best intention was. And I know your business is still important to you. It's not that. But in the hierarchy, the kids get this window in which they are the priority. And I think that's while difficult to make that adjustment, I think that if more people followed your lead in doing something similar, they would start to find the deeper, richer satisfaction out of life that they are constantly frustrated that they're missing. Mm -hmm. And that's where, again, it goes back to investing in yourself, taking that time for you and put it, I'm big about writing it down and putting it on paper. What's important? What do you feel like you're missing out on today that you want to change? And what options do you have to change in order to get you to where you want to be to have that good work-life balance? And you need to take that time before you can go have the conversation at work to say, here's what I'm going to change in my schedule or my approach in order to get my balance where I need it to be. And I think employers are more flexible now than they've ever been Mm -hmm. because we understand that you have to have that balance and you have to be in your happy place. Well, and every owner manager I know would much rather have that conversation than the one where you come in when you passed redline and you're frizzed out and you say, this job just takes over all my life and I'm not willing to do that anymore, so I quit. Absolutely. That is, yes, yes, have that conversation up front. I mean, as soon as it starts, nobody wants an employee to come in and give them their resignation. So, and again, it goes back to that mind reader. We don't know, we want to do what's best, but if we don't know what's going on, you know, in everybody's life and we do the best we can to hide that and and show that we're all good when we're here. But if there's critical things, have the conversation. And I think that's one of the biggest things is open communication. And us women, we like to talk. So why we don't do it at work in our work environment to share those thoughts and feelings. I feel like we're hurting ourselves because we're good at chatting. So we just need to get that confidence to have those conversations and understand that it's there's nothing wrong with approaching management and having those conversations. Why do you think we're shy about that? Do you have a theory? I think a lot of it comes from over the years of, I guess, speaking for myself, of working in an organization. It was a male-dominant organization. It was keeping my mouth shut because I wanted to move up within the organization and not sharing that personal side of your life. Just pretending it didn't exist when you're at work. Just don't let my personal life be a problem here. Right. And, And I think I felt like the men thought if I shared that stuff, it was going to be a bad thing. Yeah. She's going to be in tears next or something. Or just, I think at least it used to be a big case of Oh, God, if we talk about things, it's going to, from the man's perspective, if we talk about things, it's going to get emotional, and I don't want to have an emotional conversation, so go away. I think there was part of that, but I also think there was a, at home, 
we are safer, I'm using air quotes there, safer to show some cracks and ask for help. We'll certainly ask for help if the garbage needs to go out or the car's not starting. But everything else sort of within the four walls, we go, we got it, we can handle it, we're fine. And I think we take that same mindset to work and we then miss out on how other employees are collaborating and carrying the water together all the time. We just don't see it because we don't think that should apply to us. Like we need to have the super, super cape. I don't know. It's very confusing. I'll go back to Dr. Meg in your last podcast. You look at your five-year-old kids and they have no problem asking for what they want and having those conversations. Where did we go wrong along the way of keeping that out? And my daughter's a little, she's five and she's a little diva and with lots of attitude, she's not afraid to negotiate. And I am not going to turn that off or discourage it. It is keep it because one day, you know, hopefully you can have those open conversations and, and not be, I guess, taught differently or told to tone it down along the way. Well, and I I think we, as females, delight in seeing that in a young person, young girl, and even a teenager. And then when we, we stop and realize, no, we really like to see it from somebody that's 20, 30, 40, 50. I bet a lot of people on the stage would fit that mold. And we look up to it. Yet when we think about putting that cloak on ourselves, it feels a little, oh, maybe I should, maybe that's not for me. Maybe I would be too much if I did that. And I don't know how we hold those things to be true at the same time. Of Yes, you, you're doing it. That's exactly the model. Love it. Go. And oh, but it's uncomfortable for me. I don't know how we hold those things at the same time, but we seem to, don't we? We have to keep the emotions out of it. And I think that's the hardest part. And we need to bring it back to the facts. I think when we're having those conversations of, yes, I brought this to the team. Yes, I brought that to the team. This project was successful or, and I've been able to prove in this remote environment that I can do this. I want to continue a remote environment. And that's what I'm requesting and keeping the emotions out of it and bringing it back, I think is the key thing because women tend to get emotional because we have fostered that for so long. And I think that's what I've seen when people come in and have those conversations. It's much more passionate and emotional than handling it in a cool tone and having the data to support that conversation. I think that is an important aspect. Well, I love this conversation, by the way. And I think you're 100% right. I think that that more emotional aspect of the thing is almost a vestigial echo from a time when the only lane women were appreciated in was that emotional side of life. Like keep the house, keep everybody on a good even keel, be the glue and the fibers of community. All of those sort of the capital L living of life was administered and run by the women. I'll bet most women in their house set the agenda for the weekend, the real life stuff that we're getting in and enjoying the world now. And so I think a lot of that is still residual. And I'm not saying bury it, lose it, forget it, become a robot. I'm saying, and I think you're saying, keep bringing that to the table, but 
also bring at least an equal amount of other skills, some of which we have to actively work to develop because the emotion muscle is overdeveloped because that's the leg we've been hopping on for centuries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's bringing that business case with it to support what it is that we're there for. I guess it was ingrained in me as a kid. If I wanted my curfew moved back when I was young, I had to have a business case as to why it made sense for my curfew to be moved back. Well, in high school, what sense does it make to have a business case for your curfew to go back? But it's coming from that mindset of being able to figure out why and have that story together and make sure you've put the thought into it instead of just, I want a raise or I need to work from home and going about, I've proven success on this, this, and this. And this is why I think it's a good fit for me in having those conversations. Yeah. Mark Holly, friend of the podcast. His kids are grown now, but he used to come into the office and talk about, yep, so-and-so wants a new bike. So-and-so, his kids wants this and that. And he would make them put together a PowerPoint, stand in the living room, and present to Mark and their mother about exactly what you said, why this is a good idea, how the costs were going to be managed, what the benefits would be. And when he would talk about that, some people would look at him like he had three heads, like, don't you love your kids? Just get them the skateboard or whatever. And he said, but I'm teaching them how to prepare for life. And it, what he didn't say their work life. He said their life. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I love that you had that upbringing too. So is it just first nature for you to think through problems that way then? I need to look at it from both perspectives, the pros, the cons. I think it's a salesperson in me too, understanding what somebody's going to throw at me. How am I going to overcome that obstacle that they're going to throw at as to why this doesn't make sense? And again, it's putting in the time on the front end so that you're prepared for those responses that come back during the conversation so that you've thought about it, you're prepared. Because I think, again, coming from corporate America and having these conversations, I guess you have to invest your time and there's a lot more angles, I guess, that you need to overcome in that environment than a small business. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I could talk with you about this all day. It's such a great topic. I am thrilled, thrilled that you guys are doing the summit. My encouragement to all of the attendees there will be to come away with 20 to 25 emails and cell phone numbers because networking has less to do about the two or three hours set aside from that and how you use those two or three hours to then make a group of people you can rely on, ask questions to, can be any kind of topic, it doesn't matter. So I hope people will make good use of that opportunity and come away with 20, 25 people that they can email and maybe two or three they can text, you know, if they really hit it off. And then I would just also encourage a manager or owner out there who's hearing this and maybe thinking, oh, this sounds like it's got good potential for helping accelerate my staff. And I would also add to that consideration, what a better way to acknowledge the hard work that these people have done in getting us through the COVID crisis. And also, as you see some potential emerging leaders or leaders who are just early on that path and need to keep going, what a wonderful way to acknowledge that, hey, you're a superstar with us today. We want to continue to invest in you or you're a future star. We want to invest in your 
development. These are all the things that employers tell us they're trying to figure out with their staff right now. Here's a ready-made opportunity. Pull the bow and go with it. So those are my last thoughts about the conference. I'd love for you to give any final thoughts or words of wisdom you have. Thank you for the support, Mary. That's our goal is that supportive environment to pull everybody together. For the small businesses that don't have the HR staff to do this in-house, this is here. It's ready-made. And I think one of the best things that we can offer based on some of the training sessions that I've attended in the past is you have to leave your office environment and turn everything off. And when you're there, do not try and manage both. You need to turn it off and be focused and spend one day. It's one day out of the year to invest in yourself and walk away with some tips to prepare for future opportunities that present themselves. They are definitely worth it, and we're going to prove it to them in Savannah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. Thank you. Erica, I'm so excited about the event, and I'm really looking forward to attending this year and exchanging ideas with all of the women who are there. So, listener, if you can attend or send someone, we will make sure they come home fired up and ready to go. There is information linked in the show notes, but don't let the date sneak up on you. It's right around the corner. We really hope to see you in Savannah. And until next time, make an investment in yourself and your future by finding some professional network that can motivate, encourage, and support you. It isn't all about the nurturing. Oftentimes, you'll learn some downright professional ninja tricks from your peers who have already solved the big problem that is bedeviling you right now. If you're in a position to mentor, do it. Make a formal invitation to someone junior to you who could benefit from your hard-earned wisdom. And if you need mentoring, reach out to someone you admire and ask them if they're willing to help. I'd be willing to bet they will be. While these things do require an investment of time, they can speed you toward results that you'd otherwise stumble around trying to figure out on your own. And another payback for that time investment is the rewards that come from building relationships with others who do what we do. Because what you do really matters.